0: What's in Northview? Hey, it is a, it's a crazy honor to be with you. Um, I, wanna, I wanna tell you before we jump in that um, I've got to spend time with your pastor and his wife, Sandy, and, and you just need to know, my wife, Jamie, and I have never walked away from our time or a conversation with them and where we didn't feel like we were better for it, and so the fact that you get to sit under his leadership and his teaching every weekend I think the Bible says to give honor where honor is due, so I want to honor um, Steve and Sandy right now. Can we just thank them for all they do? Love you guys. Um, I, I don't know what kind of childhood you had, what kind of house um, you, you grew up in. Uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about mine. I grew up in a family where my dad had a short fuse. Okay, it didn't take a lot for, for dad to get really offended at something, to blow up at something. My dad was a football coach my entire life. He was our high school's football coach, and so he was kind of that old school, typical football coach where he, he his temper would just flare. But it didn't happen just on the football field. Um, it happened on almost all fields of his life. And in our home, uh, if I was just honest, I would tell you that there, there's not a lot of Days in my childhood that I can remember my dad not being offended at something. Um, he, he just kinda lived offended. I don't, I don't know if anybody else can relate with that, anybody else have a dad that was kinda, kinda like that a little bit. What, what happens to us as, as kids, in whatever environment you grow up in, is that you either become a reflection or you become a reaction to your environment. And so if you you become a reflection, it means that you reflect the same things you saw in your parents and in your household. Many of us become a a reaction which means we try to move, move in the complete opposite direction of what we saw. Unfortunately for me, I became a reflection of what I saw in my dad. And for a lot of the early years of my life, leading into the early years of my my marriage, um, I became someone that was so easily offended. I mean, it it didn't take hardly anything to set me off, from a long line, to a, a, a bad look, to not a great comment, to something I saw, to a coworker that I thought was not respecting me. And so you can only imagine, when my wife Jamie and I got married, what I brought into the marriage. In fact, I would say our marriage started off really, really tough. And I would take a ton of the blame because it didn't, I mean, she didn't even have to do anything for me to just, I mean, it was, I was so mad. I and mean, I can remember my mom telling me growing up that with my dad it was like we were walking on eggshells. And I remember my wife describing some of the same things early in our marriage. In fact, she haunted me with this comment that she would say to me over and over again. She would say this, she'd say, what is it like to live a life offended all the time. And that offended me, so I got mad, even more mad at her. You know, Like you shut your mouth. You know, I mean I just, I was so, so offended. I wonder if anybody here can relate. I wonder if you know someone who's really easily offended. And what I wanna do for just a little bit of time that we have today is I wanna talk to you about how to not take the bait of an offense. How to not fall into the trap of an offense. And I'll tell you why I use the words bait and trap here in just a minute. But I think this is such a relevant topic for, for our day, isn't it? I mean, I just want you to think about the last year of your life. Think about the last year of your life. Is anybody else feel like this? Do you think anyone else feel like this past year has been the year of being offended? I mean. How many things happened last year that just rocked your world to get you so mad and offended? Can I just list a couple? Like, you don't know these already. Have you ever had a year in your life where there was a global pandemic that led to an economic meltdown, right, which then created social unrest and riots like were going on all over the place in the middle of an election year? Like, can you imagine that? Which meant all your vacation plans were canceled like you're barely getting them back, your kids were stuck at home, driving you nuts if you're a parent, which meant you had to work from home to put up with the nuts from them the whole time, right? On one of the hottest summers on record. I mean, it was hot here in Indiana, right? In Phoenix, we had the hottest summer ever in the history of Phoenix, right? In the midst of all that, you get on social media, and crazy posts on social media. I mean, how do you not get offended in an environment like that? It is no accident that Jesus himself weighs in on the topic of offense. Um, One of the passages I really wanna look at today with you comes from Luke chapter 17. And in Luke chapter 17, in, in verse one, Jesus says this. He's teaching his disciples how to live the life that he wants for them to have this fruitful life. And he says this in Luke chapter 17, verse one. Then he said to his disciples, it's what? Impossible that no offense should come. In other words, Jesus is saying that in your life and mine, it is impossible that you will go through your life and not be offended at someone or something. A social media post. A comment from a boyfriend, a girlfriend, your spouse, a coworker. Something that you see on TV. Some political commentary. I mean, forget this past year. I mean, just just literally think about how many times in the past month you've been offended. In the past week you've been offended. On the way to church you got offended. Nervous laughter in the room, right? I was actually writing this message, and um, the day I was writing this message, I actually uh, drove home that night, and I got my family together, and I was like, we're going to go out for dinner. And so we love going to this place. I don't think they have any in Indiana. We go to this place called In-N-Out Hamburger, okay? I'm, I'm here to pray for you, because you don't, I don't think you have any in Indiana, And we love In-N-Out hamburger and so I take my family and we're we're driving to In-N-Out and the In-N-Outs in in Phoenix are just so busy, what they do is they have two lines that they line you up to go into the drive-through line and then it combines into one line. And what every person in the universe knows is that when there's two lines that have to merge into one, what happens is you simply, the person on the right goes, left, right, left, everyone knows this, right? So I'm in line with my whole family, and man, I'm just trying to, I mean, I'm in line, and so the person to my left, you know, I'm to the right, it's their turn, the person to the left goes, it's my turn, and the person right behind them rides their bumper and doesn't let me in. You know what I'm thinking? You jerk! How could you? I mean, I'm trying to hold it back. I'm like, you just broke a universal law that God put into place that you take turns. You take turns going in line, And I'm thinking to myself, I'm a man of the cloth. I wanna get out and lay some holy hands on this person and like rebuke them in the name of Jesus. I mean, I'm writing this message and I'm just like, I'm trying not to get offended. And what Jesus is telling us is he's preparing us that in your life it's impossible to almost go a day without not getting offended at something. And so he's trying to help us on what to do with those offenses. And the second thing he's gonna tell us is that an offense is a trap. You'd say, why do do you you call it a trap? Like, why would you even say it's a trap? It's because of the language Jesus would've used to his disciples and the rest of the New Testament writers, the word they would've used for offense, is a Greek word, and this Greek word is the word scandalon. Now, it's kind of fun to say, so let's just say it out loud together, you ready? Scandalon. You can probably understand where that word, what other words that led to, but scandalon. here's what a scandalon is. One of the, means, one of the meanings is it is the bait that triggers a trap to close when an animal touches it. So you, you know what traps are, right? I mean, a trap, I mean, just picture a trap for a moment. You open the trap up, you bait the trap, and the reason you bait the trap is, is when the animal touches the bait and takes the bait The trap closes on this unsuspecting person or animal. Now, there's only two reasons to set a trap. One is to cage someone, to almost put them in a prison, and we cage animals and other things all the time. The other reason you set a trap is to destroy and kill something. And whether you know this or not, let me just remind you that you have an enemy that scripture says is out to kill, steal, and destroy your life, and your marriage, and your kids, and your family. And what we're gonna learn today is that one of the sneakiest ways that Satan will look to destroy you is he sets bait in a trap of offense that when you take the bait, you will either be caged or you will be destroyed from the future that God wants for you. Let me put it this way. Of all the ways Satan can destroy you, of all the ways, the trap of offense may be his most creative way. Because, just think about our own life and and what what we know in our world. How creative are we at coming up with traps and bait to destroy or trap things around us. I mean, how creative are we? And Genesis chapter three says that Satan is more crafty than any human being. But let me just give you some examples of how crafty we are, right? I mean, we came up with the mouse trap. I mean, you know, someone developed this. You take the bait, you're done. I mean, we came up with things like this. We came up with all sorts of fishing lures. There's thousands of those of you that are fishermen. And every single fishing lure is designed to do one thing, to lure you in to taking the bait, and you're done. We have things like this. We have a nets that catch animals and fish. I mean, you, you slide into this net, you're done. How many of you remember this? How many of you remember the zapper? Remember this? Remember the zapper? It's 4,000 volts. You touch the zapper, you're gone. And it, it kind of lights up to draw you in, bait you in. <laughs> We even have things like raid. We we have these little traps that you you actually not, I want you to remember this, because I want you to remember this later in the message. We have bait that when you take the bait, the ant or something else takes it back to the colony, and it not only destroys that specific insect, it actually destroys the whole colony. (laughs) Think about that. How many of you remember this? (laughs) Remember the finger trap? I have a coworker that she won't ever like even get near one of these because she's so traumatized because of it. You know, it's like, you remember being a little kid, you put the finger trap on, they're like, just put your fingers in. You put it in, you're like, oh, you know, you couldn't get it out. There's so many different ways that we have come up to kind of trap people and bait. But the image I want you to have in your mind today is actually the image of a bear trap. Okay, I actually shipped this here. I, I tried to find one that actually opened up because I wanted to set it off on stage today, this bear trap. But apparently, to get a, a bear trap that actually works is illegal. So um, this is one that is actually mounted shut. You can't open it up, but it is—it's a, a real bear trap. And you can see by this bear trap that the claws are designed to be set, so that any unsuspecting unsus- animal including a bear, that comes near this, and this is where you put the bait, right? This is where you put the bait. If you take the bait, it doesn't matter how big you are, it doesn't matter how strong you are, you are done. And the image that God gives us when you decide to take the bait of an offense and let that offense sink in and not get over it is you are sticking your hand into a trap that Satan designed to absolutely destroy you. Why is an offense so destructive? Like why would that be the picture we should have in our head when we think about offenses? Let me tell you why, and you know this probably intuitively. Anytime you hold on to an offense, you take the bait, you put bitterness immediately in your heart. Anytime you take the bait of an offense and you hold on to it, you stick your hand in the trap and you get mad, you immediately sink bitterness into your heart. Let me me put it stronger for someone here so you can just let God let this sink into your heart. Holding on to an offense allows the fangs of bitterness into your heart. Bitterness. How many of you, just raise your hands, how many of you know a better person? Just raise your hands up. How many of you know a better person? If you're not raising your hands, that could mean it's you. (laughs) Right? I mean, I see bitterness all around me, especially as a pastor. I mean, when you pastor, you just see bitterness all around you. And what you begin to realize very quickly is, is bitterness destroys I promise you, anytime you see someone that's bitter, anytime you see someone that's bitter, you will find, if you dig deep enough, someone that is holding on to an offense from their past. The problem is there's no win in bitterness, there's no win in holding on to the offense. And yet, so many times we think to ourselves, the right thing to do when we are offended is to get after that and just to take it. And it is a trap from my life. I would tell you my marriage never got better because I was bitter. All the offense that I held on to in my life and that I learned to take almost destroyed my marriage. And I kept thinking to myself, no, 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 when I'm offended, I need to prove that I'm right. And in a marriage, you'll find this if you're, if you're married. If one person's always right, the marriage will be wrong. If you're the only one winning in your marriage, you're both losing. And so I had to learn to, what, what to do with, with, with this bitterness that I was dealing with and this, this offense that I was feeling. And what I, what I realized is I kept sticking my hand into the bait. I kept taking the bait and it put bitterness into my heart. And bitterness not only began to destroy me and my marriage, remember that that trap where when you take the bait and you take it back to the colony? What you have to understand is when you put bitterness in your heart, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everyone around you, including your kids. And what I began to see is the same thing in my kids that I experienced as a child that when you're around someone who's offended all the time, the bitterness doesn't sink into just their heart, the bitterness begins to be spread to everyone around them and begins to destroy them. And what I want someone to just hear today, because you, to, you need to hear this, is that God's plans for your future are too big to hold on to an offense from your past. Can I say that again? God's plans for your future are too big to hold on to an offense from your past. Do you understand what God wants to do in your marriage and your kids, in your workplace, in your future, with your hopes and dreams? Do you understand that God's dreams for you are bigger than you can ever imagine? But as long as you are holding on to an offense from your past, listen, you can never move to the preferred future God wants for you. How could you when you are trapped in an offense. So what I wanna do today is I I wanna talk to you very, very specifically about how to, what to do with the small offenses in your life. Okay, this is a big topic, but today I just wanna talk to you about what do you do with the small offenses? I mean, the offenses that happen every single day, all the time, that you think aren't a big deal when you grab hold of them, and yet they're destructive to your life. Um, I, I just think about all the small ways you can be offended. I mean, there, there's so many, but can we, can we just get a little real today? I'm gonna, let me talk to the men first, okay? Men, small ways you can be offended. Let's say, how many men have been here, okay? Because you, you're a real church. I know you're a pastor. You're a real church. How many of you men have been laying in bed late, you know, late at night next to your wife? And you, know, you kind of give your wife the look. You maybe start rubbing her back a little bit. You even say something smooth. Girl, you look so good tonight, you know? And all of a sudden, your wife just kind of lays over and, and sweet, I'm, I'm really tired tonight. Anybody ever been there? Such nervous laughter. We've all been there, okay? We've all been there. Ladies, has he ever promised to do something? And he just forgot. He forgot again for like the 10th time. I can't tell you the number of times I'm on my way home from work. My wife calls and she says, hey, can you just pick up something on the way home? And I'm like, you bet. I get home and she's like, hey, did you pick that up? I'm like, oh man, I totally forgot. You ever done something like that? What do you do with those offenses? Hey, if you're single here today, we've got singles. Anybody ever walked up to you and said, uh, why are you still single? You're thinking like, shut your face, you know? (laughs) If you're a parent here, you, you ever felt like your kids were being overlooked? on a sports team, at school, being treated unfairly from a teacher. What you find over time is this, avoiding an offense is impossible. But living offended is a choice. And we have a choice on what to do with the offenses. And the small offenses we have in our life, there's an amazing verse in scripture that gives us what I think is a blueprint for how to deal Some of the small offenses in our life. Proverbs 19, verse 11 says this. A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. Now, what are we supposed to do with an offense? I want you to say it out loud when we get to it in the verse. What are we supposed to do with an offense? A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to to do what? Say it out loud. Overlook. That if we really wanna deal with some of the, the offenses in our life, it's to your wisdom and glory that you begin to overlook an offense. Now, let me break this verse down for you because I think it's written by the wisest man who's ever lived, and I think it's, it's an incredible blueprint for what to do with offenses. You ready? If you're taking notes today, let me just give you a couple, couple notes on this verse. Number one is, not everyone overlooks an offense, only the wisest people do. It is to your wisdom to overlook an offense. Now, if you looked in your life, here's what I can guarantee you. The wisest people you know are the people that overlook offenses the most. In my life, um, the church I serve at, we have about 400 staff, and one of my inner three leaders that I've surrounded myself with, his name is Tony, I have never met someone in my life that overlooks and gets beyond offenses more than Tony. And you know what? On our staff, he is known as the wisest person on our staff. And in your life, the wisest people you know aren't the people that are always grabbing hold of and holding on to offenses. It's the people that learn to overlook, which we'll talk about what that means in a minute. Here's, here's, here's point number two. When you overlook an offense, it's to one's glory, which means to be magnificent. Do you know when it says to be one's glory in this verse? That is literally a Hebrew term that means to be magnificent, um, my Phoenix Suns are in the, the playoffs right now, really hoping they win the NBA championship. We got, anybody cheering for the Suns out here in Indiana? Okay, all right, all right. Um, Devin Booker, who plays for the Suns, uh, Kobe Bryant pulled him aside when he was a young rookie. And Kobe Bryant looked at him and he said, Devin, don't, don't just be great, be legendary. I think there's something inside of all of us that that wants to do something more with our life than just be average, just be normal. We wanna be magnificent. You will never be magnificent until you learn to overlook and overcome offenses in your life. In fact, when you look in our culture today, the greatest heroes, the greatest heroes around us, if you just really examine their lives, the greatest heroes are those that have had to overcome and overlook the most offense. Can I give you just one example? Jackie Robinson Jackie Robinson 42 is retired in baseball. It will he, he will go down as one of the greatest baseball players of all time. And if you really looked at his life, the reason why is he had to overcome and overlook offense every single game. Every single game he played, especially early on, he walked on the field and he would take the most vulgar, the most insulting, the most vile insults you could ever imagine. Playing in the field, players would try to slide their cleats into him and cut him and injure him. And over and over and over again, Jackie, because he was a man of faith, he was a Christian, he overlooked offense after offense after offense. Listen, the reason we consider Jackie Robinson a hero today is not because he took a hold of those offenses. It's because he was man enough and mature enough to step over the offense. You wanna be heroic, you wanna be magnificent, you have to learn to overlook and overcome offenses. Here's maybe the most important point you'll hear today, it's three. To overlook an offense means to pass over or step over it. Literally, the Hebrew word to overlook is the word abar. It's a Hebrew word and here's what it means, just get this in your mind. It means that these offenses that Satan sets for us all day long, these massive traps that Satan sets for us, here's what God tells us to do. To overlook an offense is simply to step over it and keep going. Or to pass around. Not, not to reach in and take the bait don't take the bait and i know what someone's thinking right now you're thinking just like it just step over the offense do you know what they said do you know what they did to my reputation do you know what they did to my kids my marriage at work like you only just walk around that is so weak really Let's talk about weakness for a little bit. Who's the weaker person? The person that sets their hand in the trap and is stuck forever back from the future God wants for them, or the person that is man or woman enough to step over it? What takes more strength? What takes more strength? to step over the offense. And yet somehow we have in our mind, we have in our mind that we have to grab hold and take offenses and mess with them. This is the issue that we're dealing with. Now listen, I'm not, gonna t- I'm not talking about those of you that have actually been abused. If you've been abused. Again, exactly. You know, if you've been abused here today, listen, I'm not talking about abuse. You, with abuse, you deal with it, you don't sit in a relationship and stay abused. I'm talking about the offenses, small offenses that happen in your life. And what you have to do is you have to learn to step over an offense. Listen to what Proverbs 10:19 says, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Did you know oftentimes when you're offended and someone's coming after you, do you understand you can hold your tongue? Even in this verse in Proverbs, you know holding your tongue means to not hand it over? You're not handing over your life to be stuck in a trap. As a leader, I would just tell you there's so many times as a leader that that I feel like I'm making decisions, especially this past year, and I know your pastor feels this, that you're making decisions that you are going to offend somebody. And it feels like it's a no-win situation. You're just getting email and comment and social media comment after another, and you're like, what do I do with all these offenses? And it can be so easy to want to respond to every single one. And if you're a leader here today, I just wanna talk to you as a leader for a moment, if you're a leader, and I know this is a church filled with leaders. If you're a leader here today, please hear me. You don't have to respond to every offense or vile comment that comes your way. It is often to your glory that you don't often have to respond. And when I'm teaching leadership, oftentimes when when I teach leadership, I'll tell leaders this, I love this quote. Your friends don't need an answer and your enemies won't believe you no matter what you say. <laughs> Do you understand that you feel like you have to respond to every, every comment or every response or every offense that someone gives you? Do you understand that the friends that know you best, they don't need an answer? And your enemies who are after you, no matter what you say in response, it doesn't matter to them? Why not learn to just step over the offense. Could you imagine what God could begin to do in your life and mine if we would do this? But it's easier said than done, isn't it? Which is why I wanna tell you a fourth fourth thing we learned from this verse, and that is, to step over an offense, you often have to close the gap with love. You have to learn to assume the best. Now, here's what I mean. Anytime there's an offense, the trap is set, which means there's a gap that's created. And, and Satan wants you to take the bait to destroy you. And what we have to learn to do to step over the offense oftentimes is we have to learn to actually cover this gap with love. Listen to what Proverbs 10, 12 says. It says, hatred stirs up conflict. Well, what does love do? It covers all wrong. Now, when, when you're offended, you really have two options. With, with the person that's offended you. You can actually lead with an accusation, which means you can assume the worst about that person, or you can lead with love, which is assuming the best. Now, when you're offended, now just, just be honest with yourself. What do you typically lead with? Do you lead assuming the worst when you're offended about someone, or assuming the best? I would tell you very honestly, I have so much work to do in this area. My wife is incredible. I assume the worst so oftentimes. I really do. And my wife is always like, no, 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 honey, Like, what if this? And assume this. And I'm like, what? (laughs) She's so much better. We hear in Scripture, and we know in Scripture, that Satan, one of his names is he's the accuser. He's always accusing. And he wants us to become an accuser as well, to assume the worst about everyone around us, versus leading with love and assuming the best about people. What would this look like uh, practically? I mean, just think about the little things in your life. When someone cuts you off in traffic, what do you assume? The worst or the best? I mean, you can assume they're a neo-Nazi, you know, communist, you know, on their way to kill people or something, you know, I don't know. Or, you could begin to assume the best. What if you started assuming, you know what, I bet you that person has someone sick in their car and they're they're like, they need to get to the hospital, like right now. What if someone's pregnant and he's just, I mean, have you ever sped in an emergency situation? Even if it's not true, even if that's not the case, isn't it better to begin to assume the best so you're not always living in an offense and taking it all the time? What if your coworker's rude? Your coworker just completely like obliterates you at work. You could assume the worst about them, or you could begin to assume the best. What if you started looking at that coworker and thinking, I wonder what they have going on at home. I wonder if they have a sick child. I wonder if their marriage is hanging on by a thread and they're walking into work with all this pent up emotion and they're just taking it out on me. What if I could show more grace to them versus always taking the bait? Okay, let's get real again, let's get real again. Guys, when your wife lays over and she's like, I'm too tired, you could assume that she is lazy and doesn't love you, or you could assume she's actually really tired. That's weird, I know, that's weird. Now ladies, this is just free of charge today, okay? It's free of charge for you ladies here today. But if you're you know, too tired, it's, this would go a long ways for you if you just said, but tomorrow night or this night, I'm just saying that would go a long ways, okay, for you. That's free of charge today, all right? It's just free of charge for you ladies out there. Anyways, just a little marriage advice. <laughs> just recently, I've just seen so many marriages fall apart. And the more I look at marriage, the more I realize one of the the core components of every great marriage is two people always assuming the best about each other. In your marriage, your relationship, are you always assuming the best or are you always assuming the worst about the other person? And I'm telling you, if you always assume the worst, you will take the bait all the time. And when you take the bait, it lets bitterness in your heart and bitterness ends up destroying relationships almost as, as much as anything out there. I was actually writing this message and, and I just about took the bait. I literally was writing this message and, and, I, and as I was writing this message, the week I was doing it, um, I, I found out that uh, a couple that I had married was, was getting ready to get a divorce. And listen, I, I don't get to do a lot of mar- marriages, it's just the size of, our, of the church where I just don't get to do a lot of marriages. And so I knew this couple and I took time out of a really, really busy schedule Um, because I knew this couple and I really wanted to do a favor for them and so I married them and when I married them it was great and two years later, here I am sitting in my office and I found out that he's leaving his wife for another woman while his wife is delivering their newborn baby. That wasn't the offense. I mean, as offensive as that is, the offense was I started texting him. I said, hey, can we just talk? Nothing. Can we just talk? Nothing. I finally, after like the fifth day, he responds to say, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I said, awesome. I called the next day, crickets. I text again. I text the next day. I text the next day. Nothing. Now I'm boiling. Now I'm offended. I'm like, you think I have time to take out of my schedule? I'm reaching out like crazy to try to serve and love you, and you're gonna blow me off? And I was sitting there at my desk, and I started praying. I said, God, what do I need to do? And it's like God just pressed on my heart. He's like, do you have any idea what he's going through? I said, well, no. I mean, I'm just thinking about me. I'm like, he's, he's blowing me off. And God started telling me three things about this man. He said, number one, he is overwhelmed beyond what you could ever imagine. Two, he feels more shame. He feels so much shame because he has himself stuck in a trap. He doesn't know what to do. And third is he's scared out of his mind because he doesn't know what he's gonna do financially and he doesn't know how his son is gonna view his dad. Now that didn't take away him not getting back to me, but it allowed God to put in my heart the ability of not taking the bait. Listen, God's plans for my life and my future are too big to hold on to an offense from the past. God's plans for your life are too big for you to start holding on to an offense from your past. Let me show you one more thing from this verse that I think could help you. It says a person's wisdom yields patience. It's the one's glory to overlook. That means to step over an offense. But did you see this term right here? A person's wisdom yields patience. You see this word yields patience right here? You know what that actually means in the Hebrew? Yields patience means to be long in the nose or long in the face you're like, what does that have to do with anything? You ever seen someone get really, really offended? What happens to their face? What happens to your face? I know in my marriage, when I get offended, nostrils, you know, tension, red boiling, your whole face tensions up. Oh! This is literally a Hebrew idiom that means you are long in the face, which means it takes you a long time to get offended. You ever met someone like that? In my marriage, when I was living out this this idea of being offended all the time with my wife, I was studying this passage and I, I was remembering something that she would say to me over and over again when we would be in these really, really nasty arguments and I am so offended trying to be right. She would say, I I just wish you could see what your face looks like right now. And I'm thinking, I wish you could see what your face looks like right now. You know, I mean, I'm like so offended. The truth is, my face was nostrils flared and tensions high. Her face was gentle with love. And I began to realize that in my marriage, my desire to win every argument was destroying our lives. I had not learned to not take the bait. Everything was so offensive. Every little thing and I I justified it in my mind. I needed to prove she was wrong. I needed to help her out. I'm just helping you. And I was taking the bait and letting bitterness sink into my heart. And then I remembered what I went through as a child watching my dad do the same thing. Watching my kids look at me sometimes the way I looked at my dad. And God began to do a great work in my life based on the scripture, to learn to step over the offense. I wonder what's at stake in your life if you don't learn to step over the offenses that you face every single day. What's at stake could be a marriage. It could be your kids. It could be your career, because nobody really likes working around you you're mad and bitter all the time, it could be a future opportunity God wants to place in your lap, but he can't because you're stuck in the past. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to tell someone here today, God's plans for your future are too big to hold on to an offense from your past. So let me get really, really practical with you as we end today, Okay, really, really practical. I'm gonna give you a takeaway today that I want you to just kind of apply. You can talk about this with a spouse or with a friend or hopefully you know, you're, in a, you're in a group setting where you can, you can do this, but here's, here's a practical takeaway today, a little challenge for you. Number one is I want you to just name something you're offended by right now. You're only as good as you are honest, so just name what you're offended by. It could be something with your spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a friend or a coworker, something someone said to you over social media or over email or a text, just name it. And then I'm gonna challenge you and ask you based on God's word here today that you would learn to decide to step over it and let it go. That could literally just mean you're like, I'm not gonna grab hold of that. I'm gonna be bigger than that. If it's a really big offense, you have to let God do the great work of you forgiving the other person. I know you've been taught on forgiveness here. You know what that means, If forgiveness is literally letting go, not not holding someone that they owe you a debt still whatever it is i just know that god wants someone here today he has me here today in indiana from phoenix to tell someone god has a big future for you but you'll never reach it holding on to an offense from your past let's let's pray together father thanks for the, for this this church thank you for Thank you for your word. I mean, when you look at this verse, God, you just see how practical your word is in dealing with things that we deal with every day. All of us have offenses in our life, and all of us have to learn what to do with those offenses. God, some of us today just need to step over the offense. We need to let it go. Some of us need to forgive. Some of us need to assume the best about people instead of always assuming the worst. Father, there's a couple here today, and their marriage is hanging on by a thread, And it is truly because one or both of them will not let go of the offenses from the past. So would you do a miracle today in our lives and help us not take the bait, but to live a life free from the trap of offense so we don't let bitterness in our heart. In Jesus' name, amen.